This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. As we consider the resurrection today, we're talking about a true event that has made such an impact on this world that frankly it will take all eternity for us to praise God for all that he's done here. Luke 19.10 tells us, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. He's not only saving souls, but in these days the risen Lord, who's come back to the hearts of individuals, bringing his kingdom to hearts. He's coming to seek and then assure those who are doubting. In the days right after the resurrection, Jesus did go to heaven. He led captivity captive. But then he came back to reassure the disciples. And my desire this morning is to look at the resurrection, the actual events that happened, and to reassure his disciples here today. They all thought that their king was dead. For the Christian, we can say, the king died, but long live the king. But those disciples who were with him in the garden and then ran for their lives, they weren't so sure. And so the scripture gives us 10 resurrection appearances of our Lord, 10 different events where the Lord appeared to his disciples to do a mighty work. I want us to look at those 10 today and still get us out on time. I'm going to be speaking to you doubters about the Lord's resurrection. Please don't doubt me, all right? But you can pray for me if you'd like to. Scripture sets the stage by revealing the fact of the resurrection. It starts in Matthew 27, 66. When the Pharisees secure the grave of our Savior, put a seal on that massive stone, and then place the Roman guard there that Pilate had granted to them. So Matthew 27, 66, you'll see it there. All of that is in place. The Roman seal, the power of the empire, is upon that mighty stone. We smile and say, that wasn't going to work. Because the king of heaven was inside that tomb and he predicted he would be there. In fact, he put himself there. And he also predicted resurrection. But the resurrection of Jesus Christ gives us another great insight into the hearts of men and women. Consider the fact, and it's sobering to me to think, that the only group who remembered Jesus' predictions of resurrection were his enemies. That's why there was a Roman guard out there and a seal on that tomb. All the disciples had fled. This has gone very bad. And so his enemies seal the tomb 
Jesus had repeatedly told his disciples that it would happen, but it appears that the only ones who were really listening were his enemies. In fact, they brought it up when they were trying to accuse him. This one said he would tear down the temple and in three days raise it again. And Jesus specifically said to his disciples, I will go to Jerusalem, I will suffer, and the Son of Man will be raised from the tomb. Later, they, the enemies are still believing it. When the soldiers flee from the tomb, and then the Pharisees pay them off to lie about what had happened. They didn't argue with the soldiers. They just say, okay, okay, here's money, and here's the story. Another example of fake news. Then there is a second earthquake in less than 24 hours. And this takes us to what actually happened at the tomb. Remember when Jesus died, the, the ground shook. Stones were broken. Now in less than 24 hours, there's another earthquake. At this point, if I were a, a Roman soldier working around the Temple Mount, I'd put in for a transfer. Amen? The day before the sun was blotted out, there was darkness not just on the land, the earth, the Bible tells us the whole earth was covered in darkness. Other civilizations record what happened. It just got dark. We know from the Bible what really happened. God the Father couldn't look on the sun, couldn't look on sin, and he turned his back and the lights went out. Now the sky was darkened, and now the guard detail witnesses, I think probably to the other soldiers, though they weren't, they'd been paid off not to say it to the community, they say it to the other soldiers, that they had witnessed an angel whose appearance was as lightning and his clothing as white as snow. He rolled the stone away, and in Matthew 28, 2-4, he sits on it. Now you have to put yourself in the narrative. Here are these Roman soldiers... Somebody's probably got the watch. Maybe the others are resting. They are down over a hill in a garden, so the those in the fortress of Antonio can't see what's happening, except that they know there's a second earthquake, and they probably saw a bright light because that angel appeared as lightning. And so the fortress of Antonio was right on the north side of the Temple Mount. It had high towers, the highest tower on the fortress of Antonio was 90 feet high. And so they're looking up, they're looking across at Golgotha where the crucifixion had taken place and then over the next hill, something is going on. There was a flash of light over there. Now soldiers come running back saying that they had seen an angel and they're petrified. I look forward to speaking to the angel that was sent to do this. I think he's got a funny story to tell. He doesn't fight Roman soldiers. He's on a mission. He shows up. There's an earthquake. He grabs that stone. However they sealed it, didn't matter. He pushes that stone away. And the Bible says those soldiers, they're witnessing all this. They fall down as dead men. The long and short of that, they fainted. And when they come to... Angels gone, stones rolled away, tombs empty, we're out of here. That's exactly what happened. Wow. 
By the way, these soldiers become the first witnesses of the resurrection. Now watch as Jesus pursues his disciples. First of all, he makes some appearances to the devoted. By the way, the devoted are only women. That's interesting. Praise God for the faith of you sisters in Christ. And so the first appearance we find in John 20, verses 11 to 18, and I wish I could share all this scripture because of time we cannot, but you can write these down. John 20, 11 to 18. Though all the women who had been at the foot of the cross planned to go back to the tomb together to anoint the body of the Lord. And talk about faith. They know there's a stone there. I think they probably knew there was a Roman guard there. But they're, they're going and this is going to happen. They just aren't sure how it's going to happen yet. That's faith. Mary Magdalene gets there first. She gets to the garden before the others. There's no body and the, the stone is rolled away. She turns and she sees a gardener. It's not the gardener, it's Jesus. But she is so distraught, she can't recognize him. She pleads, if you're the gardener, tell us where you have taken the body. And as soon as Jesus speaks, she knows. She falls down on the ground as we saw depicted. That was accurate. She grabbed his feet and the Lord said to her, don't touch me. I've not yet been to my father. Now, we have to look at that passage carefully because later, just a short time later, he would tell Thomas, touch me, put your hands in my wounds. And so what was Jesus saying to Mary? Well, as soon as she realizes who he is, what he was really saying is, don't touch me now, but go to the disciples. Right now, I know you want to worship, you're overwhelmed, but I have a message for you to take along. That brings us to the second appearance. The other women arrive with spices and ointments to discover the stone is moved. They enter the tomb and they're told by two angels what had happened. On their way back to tell the others, Jesus appears to them. Note that in all these appearances, Jesus, the risen Lord, knows exactly where all of his followers are. He knows where you are. Always. In fact, he said, lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of this age. He knows. He knows where they're at. And as he meets them, he is there to minister to the specific needs of every one of their hearts. Not only does he know where you are, he knows your heart. He wants to meet the needs of your heart. He's the risen Lord. So in Matthew 28, verses 5 to 15, he says to them, Rejoice and go tell my brethren to go into Galilee, and there they shall see me. What's also wonderful about these first two appearances is that Jesus refers to the disciples as brethren. There's an important progression here. Jesus called the disciples in John 13, 13, he called them servants. In John 15, 15, he calls them friends. And now he refers to them as brethren. 
Oh, by the way, these are the same guys that forsook him. In fact, one of these guys cursed him three times. Blaspheme. What's he calling them? Go tell my brothers. Go tell my brothers. Though our sins put Jesus on the cross, there is no alienation here. Jesus' cross, the empty tomb, tore the veil of the temple in half from top to bottom, giving free access to the Holy of Holies so that we might have access before his very throne. And now the Son of God has made us sons and daughters of God, and Christ is our brother. That blows me away. And oh, by the way, do you know what Jesus said? You are loved with the same love that I love the Father and He loves me. You have been brought into that relationship if you've admitted to God your sin and received Jesus Christ as Savior by faith. It's remarkable all the women believe when they receive the angelic message. Then their faith is rewarded with sight. Jesus meets them. But we move quickly from the, the devoted to the debaters. Do you know who the third appearance is to? Two of these disciples know what's happened in Jerusalem. They've heard rumors of resurrection, but we've, we've had enough. We need to go take a break. And they're on their way back to a place called Emmaus. That's in uh, Luke chapter 13. You'll remember that as they're going, and the Bible tells us, literally they were debating with each other. Well, we thought Jesus was, was going to be the king, and we thought this, and we thought that, and they're on their way back, and all of a sudden this stranger walks up beside him, and he engages them in conversation. What are you talking about? What, haven't you heard what's, what's been happening in Jerusalem? And here's what we thought about Jesus of Nazareth. This is what we thought. And Jesus begins to teach them. They still don't get it. In fact, not only did he teach them, but the scripture says that beginning with Moses and the prophets, he taught them the things concerning himself. You know you can lead somebody to the Lord out of the Old Testament. You can, because it all points to Jesus. Places like Isaiah 53 and so on. And so Jesus is teaching them out of Moses and the prophets, the things concerning himself. He's going to go past Emmaus once they arrive there, and they ask him to come in and have food with them. He goes in. They sit down. The Lord breaks bread, and he prays. And as soon as he starts praying, they realize where have we been? This is the risen Lord. And then he's gone. Well, these guys get a supernatural boost of energy. They're worn out. They've been walking all day. They get right back on the road. They run all the way back to Jerusalem to tell the disciples what the ladies had told the disciples. The Lord is risen. We have seen him. And so the Lord appears to the debaters. Next, the Lord appears to the doubters. I would, I would say this, he appears to those that are also defeated. 
Appearance number four, Luke 24, 34. Jesus appears to Simon Peter. We're not told a whole lot about that meeting, but Jesus appears to him. Now, of all the disciples, who do you think is hurting the worst? I think it's got to be Peter. The Lord told him what he was going to do. You're going to deny me three times. Peter does it. And he goes out, and the Bible says he weeps bitterly. Well, you know what Jesus did? He finds Peter alone, and he ministers to Peter. We're not told what happened in that meeting. 1 Corinthians 15, 5 tells us, and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. When we get to heaven, we can ask Peter, what did you talk about? Peter defeated, a doubter. Appearance number five, Jesus then appears to ten in the upper room. Of course, Judas is dead. Thomas wasn't present. But we find this account in Luke 24. And I'm going to ask you to go there. We don't want to pass all these passages up. I hope you're taking good notes so that you can go back and review later. It is interesting how the different gospel writers give different parts of the whole story. And I hope this morning I'm whetting your appetite to go back to all those accounts, take this simple outline I'm giving to you, and put in all the pieces and then follow the story. I think it will bless your heart. But Luke 24, look please at verse 36. Luke 24, 36. And as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said unto them, Peace be unto you. What's the Lord doing? He's there to help. But they were terrified and affrighted. Do you think there might still be some doubting going on? Look at the next phrase. And suppose that they had seen a spirit. Again? He walked on the Sea of Galilee one night and you thought you saw a spirit then. Here he is. They're doubting. And he said unto them, Why are ye troubled? And why do doubts arise in your heart? Behold, my hands and my feet, that it is I myself handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones, as you see me have. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they yet believed not for joy. That's interesting the way this is worded in the text. They believed, but they were so overwhelmed with joy that it still hadn't registered completely. And wondered, he said unto them, Have ye here any meat? They gave him a piece of a broiled fish and a an honeycomb, and he took it and did eat before them. Wow. John 20, 19 to 23 gives us other important details about this event. And part of the, what John tells us in John 20 is then he immediately starts to focus them on, all right, I've done my work, now here's your work. So that's appearance number five. Appearance number six, this is a week later, Jesus appears to the disciples again, but now Thomas is present. You remember that account in John 20, 24 to 29? Thomas has heard their accounts. He still doesn't believe, and then there's Jesus. And what does Jesus do? He's in a glorified body that still have the wounds. Stop for a moment. Do you know when we get to heaven, 
Have you ever wondered what those wounds were like that Jesus bore for us? You're going to get to see him. Glorified body, here are the wounds. Thomas, put your finger in there. Here's my side, put your hand in there. Do you know what that means? If a hand can fit in there, that was a brutal wound. It was a spearhead, the Bible tells us. Folks, we need a reality check when it comes to the resurrection. Put your hand in there. What does Thomas do? <laughs> All right, I don't need the object lesson anymore. Oh, my Lord and my God. Appearance number seven. Peter and the six other disciples are now fishing at the Sea of Galilee. In appearance six, Jesus had ministered to the doubts of Thomas. In appearance seven, he's going to minister to the defeat of Peter. I believe he's already started to do that. But what does he ask Peter three times? Peter, do you, do you love me? See, everything that had happened with the disciples, including, I think, their spiritual blindness, it wasn't an understanding problem. It was a love problem. Those of you who profess the name of Christ today, if there is inconsistency and defeat in your life, and maybe you struggle just to obey God in simple ways, do you know what your problem is? It's a love problem. It's not a power problem. You have the risen Lord right here, and that resurrection power is available to you for, so that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Amen. You have a love problem. And the problem is that that love gets edged out by all the other things you love. That's why Jesus said, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If you love the world, and I'm paraphrasing now, but here's what he said, literally, you don't have love for me. You can't love the world and me too. Peter has to come, yes, Lord, I love you. And the Lord knew he loved him. Then he says, all right, there's work to do. Feed my sheep, feed my lambs. Appearance number eight, Jesus meets with his disciples in Galilee on Mount Tabor. And I believe that it's because that's really the only mountain up in that area. And that's where the Lord delivers his great commission, Matthew 28, 16 to 20. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Where was that said? Some Christians think that was said on the Mount of Olives just before Jesus went back to heaven. It wasn't. It was on Mount Tabor. Appearance number eight. Appearance number nine. They're back in the upper room. Jesus is with all the disciples. Luke 24, 44 to 49. Again, the Lord is there to encourage. By this time, they're past their doubt, they're past their fears, and they're just enjoying fellowship with the Lord during that period of time before he would have sent back to heaven. And then we get to the 10th appearance, and that's the final appearance. We find it in Acts chapter 1. We find it in Luke 24. This is Jesus' appearance to the determined. They have been minister to, their hearts have been encouraged, and now it's time to get busy for the Lord. He'll give them one last reminder about what their job is, that their authority is from Him through the power of the Holy Spirit, Acts 1 and verse 8. 
And then they get to see their risen Lord become the ascended Lord. Stand on that mountain with me. Here's Jesus. We see the scars, but he's very alive. He gives us our last marching orders, and then, well, well wait, wait a minute. Are you seeing this? Are, are you, you seeing this? It took him back. How do we know it took him back? Because he disappears in the clouds, and they're still standing. They don't even notice that the Lord has sent angels to say, uh, fellas, fellas, wait, wait. Why are you still standing here gazing up? What did he say? The same one that you saw ascend, he's going to come back in the very same way. Amen. Now, get busy. And this determined bunch, they go at Pentecost, receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible tells us in just a few chapters that the Roman Empire is being dramatically changed. Why? Because of these fishermen and tax collectors? No, because of the Holy Spirit in the fishermen and the tax collectors who are now indwelt by the Spirit of the risen Lord. And there was nothing that could stop them. By the way, not even death could stop them until the risen Lord decided it was their time to die. These guys are stoned. They get back up, walk into cities. They spend days in, in, the, in shipwreck in the sea. They, they go all through all these things. And by the way, they don't just minister in Israel and then Asia Minor and then Macedonia. The Bible tells us that the gospel then spreads all the way around to Babylon. And guess where Thomas the Doubter is finally martyred, where they put him to death after he's planted a church? the western banks of India. I've been there. Renee and I have been there. The only Christian state still in India with all that paganism around. And, and how did that happen? A doubter now who had seen the risen Lord empowered by the Holy Spirit goes into that place and the gospel spreads like fire. And so let's close. Resurrection power has saved you. Resurrection power is available to sanctify you, whether you are devoted, whether you're a debater, halting between two opinions. Well, I'm saved, but I just don't know if I'm ready to sell out. Why? Why? Maybe you're a doubter. Maybe you're defeated today. Oh, you have your reasons. This person offended me. I'm afraid if I come to church that people are going to think and, and this and this and this and this. Stop it. You serve the risen Lord. By the way, you're going to see the risen Lord and whatever's knocking around in your head right now, it will not matter. He's all powerful. Run to Christ. He lives and he can live through you if you'll just surrender to him. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is risen, no matter what men say. See his hand of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer. And we've looked at that today. And just the time I need him, he's always, always near. He lives.
and he lives in my heart. He lives in your heart if you're saved. Would you yield to him today? Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Blessed Savior, thank you that though there's a Mecca and these other places where dead religious leaders are buried, there's an empty tomb outside the walls of Jerusalem. And you're alive, very alive at the right hand of the Father today to intercede for come to your throne. So, Father, would you work mightily today? And God, have your way in our hearts now as we conclude this time. Lord, would you cause the realities of the resurrection to draw us in love to yourself? Lord, when we see you alive one day, we stand in your presence, the things of earth will grow strangely dim. Lord, cause them to grow dim now and help us to surrender to you. All that matters is what you think. Thank you that you love all of us. You love your disciples. Now have your way. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757 488 3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.